0: Welcome to Farming for Health, where Farmer Lee Jones and I talk with leaders in food, farming, and health and wellness to spread knowledge and inspire a plant-forward future, starting now. Welcome to the Farming for Health podcast. I'm Dr. Amy Cipolla, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Farmer Lee Jones and Kirk Bachman. He's the campus president of Escafier in Boulder and the provost. So welcome, Kirk.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much I, I for being here. I could not think
1: of a better, like Farmer always says, if I was any better, I'd be you. I can't not, I cannot <laughs> think of another place I'd rather be than right here.
0: Is that well, a song?
1: That's a song, isn't it?
0: It might be a song,
1: a country song. Yeah.
0: Oh well, yeah. we're so yeah. happy. To already. Talk with you, you. you guys
1: are gonna regret this within like three minutes. Like, who, who scheduled this guy?
2: Hey, Chef Kirk, I know you wanted us to keep it short and brief, but I mean, your your history, your legend in this industry goes back a long ways. I mean, forget us in i know you were trying to be humble about it and just oh yeah well i'm just you know <laughs> give us a little insight into what you yeah thought.
1: yeah oh gosh i you know legacy is a, a big word um you know my father always used to just tell me to just try to be a good cook for life i mean it, it, it was the business i grew up in um my parents came over from germany in the in the 60s um my father earned his uh what they call a brief in Europe. He's a he's a master pastry chef, um, primarily baking, and uh, you know he he grew up in a in a different era um, of of the war and such, and he he came to America for a better life. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but that's that's what he came here for, and he still feels that way. He believes that he's the luckiest man alive, and so my dad will be 87 this year. My mom's um, uh 80 80 she'll be 81 here uh this month this month and uh yeah so so you know I I sort of grew up in the bakery business um downtown Chicago you know I would go to school and uh come through the bakery on the way out the front door Uh, I went to a Catholic school down the street and while all my friends were eating bologna sandwiches and snack packs I was uh, eating liverwurst on rye bread, and I had black forest tort for dessert. <laughs> it's like who's that guy in the in the later hose and walking there with the beautiful desserts? But um, you know, several years after that, we relocated to to Colorado. The family bought uh, bought a hotel. and We got into the hotel business, stayed in the restaurant business, and I worked alongside my dad for many years. But uh, you know, kind of like Bob, your brother Lee, you know, it was important to get away from the family business for a minute. And uh, so I went and got an education in business at the University of Oregon. And then my dad insisted that I go to a little culinary school up in the Northwest to, to, uh, uh, to demonstrate that I didn't know everything. And, <laughs> and so continued to work in the family business for quite some time. And, um, you know, some opportunities came up to give back, and I could not resist that opportunity. You know what? You're going to pay me to teach people how to cook. I can do that. I can do that. And I never looked back. I spent about uh, 20 years with the Le Cordon Bleu group, and about the last decade with uh, some wonderful people here at Escafier. And uh, couldn't be happier for that journey. And 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 I've had my dad on my podcast, and I love to. I love history. Talk about legacy. I love. Uh, when I talked to farmer about, you know, the impact that his father had on, on his life and, and his career, you know, um, you know, it's something for us to be really, really proud of.
0: That's incredible. And I love the connection with your father as kind of the beginning of your whole career. And how, can you talk a little bit more about how you came into education and like what, what kept you there? Like what drew you into being in education?
1: Yeah, it's, 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 I could tell so many stories. Um, I, I can remember being uh, a student, again, after college. So, you know, I was mid-20s or so, and I really got fascinated by um, not, not just the cooking piece. I felt pretty comfortable with my cooking skills, but I was, I was obsessed with, uh, with competition and um, all these chefs would go over to Europe and, and just do all these crazy things with food and um, ironically enough, one of the biggest competitions in the world is uh, in Germany, the Culinary Olympics. And so I, 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 I had, for the most part, wrapped up my education in culinary school and, and I was helping this, uh, uh, this Austrian chef um, who was preparing for, for the Culinary Olympics. And I'll never forget that day, I picked up the phone, I called my dad. We had phones back then, right? The ones that hung <laughs> yeah. on the wall. And, uh, you know, I called dad and I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to Europe with Franz and I'm going to be his assistant at the Culinary Olympics. And my father in his thick German accent said how much do they pay for that. And I said, well, dad, it, it, it does not uh, it does not pay, but it's a great learning experience. And uh, and he said, I'll see you next week. Uh <laughs> You know heading back to that you know business is really important it still is our family's still in the hotel business my sister looks after our family hotel but something pulled amy something it's like god dad you know i just gotta do this i i just i feel i feel committed to the classroom i just want to get out in front of students and, and 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 share you know my experience it's it's more about stories right it's more about the stories <laughs> I've told the stories of my dad, sometimes good, sometimes bad, <laughs> to many, many, many students, and they could resonate with that. And, um, you know, so I taught for a while, and then the opportunity came around. Um, it was almost serendipitous back in 99, I would say, um, there was an opportunity for for Le Cordon Bleu to come to the United States, right? And somewhat of a historian, I was fascinated by, you know, the whole Julia Child thing, and, Um, and to be a part of that. And I used to, it used to be a joke in my family. You know, okay, Kirk, Kirk wants to do this thing. He wants to go to Paris and let's let him do that for a couple of years. He'll probably get some really nice certificates and we'll put them up in the restaurant. We'll put them on the wall. Well, two years turned into 10 years and 10 years turned into 20. And here I am, you know, 30 years later, still, you know, just trying to trying to get a smile and impact students, you know, anywhere we can. And now to be able to, you know, partner and network and learn, you know, from, from, from you, Amy, from, from Farmer Lee, and my son is now learning from Farmer Lee, you know, it's just, it's just full circle. You know, I can't get out of this, um, that this, this wonderful thing that we call education and just giving back. So it, it's not super complicated. It's just, you know, dad, I'm taking my ball, I'm going home, and I'm gonna be in education for a long, long time.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I feel yeah. I love education as well. And I feel like there's so much in it for like teaching other people, but I think you get so much back from the students as well. And I always say, whenever I teach, you learn so much more, even than what you're putting out, just from being around all of that energy and all of the people who are so eager to be there. And Yeah, it's just a really. It it, it is energy to to have someone
1: call you years later and, you know, just say something about the impact that you might have had right on them. You you said something that, you know, that, that affected them in some way, shape or form. Just yesterday, we, we received uh, uh, a comment a quote, if you will, from one of our 2019 graduates. And, um, you know, I won't go into all the detail, but one of the things she said was what she learned in culinary school was to lean in, to lean in and to just give it everything you have. And, and, and you can apply that to anything in life, whether, you know, whether I'm coaching my son in baseball or, or my daughter in gymnastics, which isn't pretty, by the way. Um, that's not a good look, but it's about leaning in, right? It's about just trying just try and get uncomfortable for a minute and lean in. That's going to be my, you know, Farmer, you're going to hear this like for months now. Leaning in, leaning in. I like and that. It, and it's from a student. It's from a student, right? So.
0: Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. That's amazing. And you guys are reaching people in a whole new way now. You have online as well as in-person culinary education. And I, I think that's really different to kind of wrap your head around because oftentimes you think of just in-person. Can you talk about that and like the pros and cons of each format? A message from our sponsor. Farmer Jones Farm provides nutritious, regeneratively grown vegetables to home cooks nationwide. We seek to provide our community with vegetables grown in a way that's healthy for you and good for the planet to learn more about farmer jones farm visit farmerjonesfarm.com
1: yeah it's really changed a lot right just like i said the phone used to be up on the wall (laughs) Um, you know we call we call the way we reach students uh, via the online world interactive distance learning that's what we call it or online right so, like you said, we've we've got a residential campus here in Boulder. We've got one in Austin, and uh, and then we have just a, a ton of students going to school online. Both are accredited. Um, lots of different uh, program options from cul- your traditional culinary and pastry. We we have a beautiful holistic nutrition program, as you know, Amy. We have a plant-based program. We have a hospitality program. You have a food entrepreneurship program. It's, 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 it's absolutely fascinating when you think about the choices um, that potential students and people have today. Uh, I think what we find is that there are, there are potential students who would like to attend school um, or gain literacy, right, on education and, and they may not enroll in a traditional on-ground campus like in Boulder or Austin, uh, primarily because of location, right? Um, or, the, or the schedule, or even the cost, right? There, the pandemic told us a lot about how people wanted to remain within their community and take care of their families. And uh, you know, for us, our IDL or our online program solves this issue and allow students to stay where they're comfortable without having to relocate, you know, find someplace else to live. Um, because, because our online programs are primarily asynchronous, meaning they can, they can engage in academics at their pace, the, the knowledge is there, they can grab it when they want. That means they can continue to work they can take care of their families, they can pick up their kids from school or take their parents to the doctor, whatever it is that they need to do. And Escafier will be there when they're ready to engage at any time 24 it's, seven. I, I, it's almost unimaginable that we can reach people in every state of the nation in in such a meaningful way. Does that help a little bit?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think it's a great format and like you said, so accessible. It it makes it so that people can come to culinary school online, really wherever they reside. You know,
2: I, I, I would you know, add. Go uh, ahead, Farmer. You know, and the brick and mortar culinary schools were really struggling during COVID and you guys exploded.
1: And yeah, it, it's amazing. about content, right? It's about it's about content. I. I, I always say, people always tell how old I am, but you know not, it used to be that knowledge was kept under the toque, right? You, you had to go to culinary school and you had to take lots of notes and you had to become a sponge because you had to get the knowledge from that person at the front of the class who was doing the cooking or talking about hospitality or talking about inventory or staffing or whatever it is, right? Um, but knowledge is everywhere today. Content is everywhere. And all we ask our faculty to do respectfully is become facilitators of that knowledge, just just engage with your students. You know, this day and age, I if I look at my priorities, my priorities are I need great teachers, great, great teachers. And if you're a really good cook, that's a plus. But I need great teachers, great, great teachers who impact students and and motivate and inspire them at the same time. Push, pull. It's not easy. It's not easy, but uh, yeah, it, and, and there's something for everyone in a, in a beautiful sort of way, right?
0: I love your philosophy on that. I think that's really important is to be the great teacher first and yeah, then you can teach yeah. the content. Um, as far as the holistic nutrition oh. program and the plant-based culinary arts program, can you talk more into that and like what mm. spawned kind of the creation of these programs and where do you hope to go with those?
1: yeah you know i'll probably get a little emotional on one of them right but um you know clearly not just me but others in our company recognize the growing demand within our industry for four unique areas of education new unique programs right and it's clear you and i have talked about the surge and popularity of of plant-based diets and um, um so so i'd say you know consumer demand has driven a lot of this um but but it's important to be part of the conversation, right? The conversation within our industry, and and how do we best educate not only students but our chefs to to address these these topics of plant-based and and and, and health-minded menus, right? For me, um, again, long story, and it'll just kind of illuminate again, you know, how close I am with my father. But 40 years ago, I received a kidney from my father and needed to have a a kidney transplant for, you know, a specific reason. And, and, uh, you know, again, he's 80. he's going to be 87 this year. He was doing great. And I'm going to be this year and I'm (laughs) doing just great. And, uh, um, but quite honestly, I spent most of my life, you know, you know, understanding pastry, understanding what happens when you combine sugar with, with eggs and cream and 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 apply heat right and and as a chef instructor or even just a, a practitioner of the art, you know, you have to have a good idea of of, you know, animal proteins and and how food comes to us and and how food is raised and grown and and all of that. But I but I also noticed and I have to give my wife Gretchen a lot of credit for this, that the idea of just eating more plants more often and not just eating plants more often, but knowing where your food comes from and how your food is grown. And quite honestly, over the last three years, I have learned so much from farmer lee and and the entire team. i, I never I never would have asked the question about, you know, crop rotation and regenerative farming and what it means, and uh, the great conversations around um why certain pesticides are not needed, right? So, so it's not just about great asparagus in the spring. Hopefully, it's warmer, <laughs> um, and 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 great vegetables all year round. But it's you know where is the food coming from, and how are you treating the soil, and how will that soil look? You know, a hundred years from now, when you know when our grandkids have to talk to their their children about it. So, for me, um, and 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 together with my my wife and family, I just felt better. I I literally just felt better. Um, after having, you know, just a, a, a great vegetable dish or dishes versus, you know, something heavier. And and believe me, you know, I was joking with my wife last night, you know, what's that last meal for you? What's that last meal? And it's probably still a filet mignon with a, with a beautiful demi-glaze and green peppercorns, but, you know, maybe not, maybe not. Um, I just felt better. And so that translated... Or, 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 you know, it it just it was reflected in my desire to to share this with others, right? So there's this lovely, lovely gal that lives here in Boulder. Her name is Lauren Lewis. She's a yogi. Um, she used to be Governor Paulus's, uh personal chef, and she's uh, pretty much a lifelong uh, plant-based aficionado, if you will. And she taught me a lot about plant-based diets. And she helped write this program. And, and, you know, and it it was a, it was, it wasn't just writing a program. We can write a program overnight, but you can't pour your entire life into a program overnight. And that's what Lauren did. She, she took time. She took months to pour her, her energy and her life understanding of plant-based diets and lifestyles into this program. And, Lo and behold, the state of Colorado loved it, and our accreditor loved it, and now our students uh, love it. Every, every six weeks, another group of students is coming in. What we have found, initially, we had a lot of students that had a lot of experience and a lot of literacy around plant-based education. The, 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 the students that we're seeing today are just curious, and that makes me so happy. They're coming to us, Scott. They're coming to us because of this plant-based option. They wanna cook, they wanna cook really well, they wanna have gainful employment in, the, in our industry, but they, they wanna go the plant-based route. They may not even necessarily be plant-based, but, but they're excited about the literacy.
0: So as far as health and wellness goes, I know this is really, you're training these students now and it's really starting to change the industry. Where do you see like health, and where, health and wellness going in the culinary fields?
1: Wow, loaded loaded question, right? It's here to stay. I think we mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that. You know, the word trend doesn't even come into play. But I guess if I if I was lecturing, um, you know, the, the question could be, you know, how how can we make an impact as as educators, as chefs, right? Um, there's there's so many buzzwords, right? People people get caught up in words like organic and locally grown. Um, what I'd love to see is more people getting caught up in, and I'm not just saying this cause you're in the room farmer, but farming methods, right? I have learned again, so much in the last couple of years about crops that are grown using regenerative farming practices, not just because they produce better results, but they produce the best products. Right. And so, you know, I, I would say that educators, chefs can impact, even serendipitously, even subtly, even quietly, can impact the health and the wellness of their guests. And they should be concerned with it, right? Anyone who comes into their establishment, they should care about those guests and they should know what the source of their foods are. And they should know exactly what type of cooking techniques are are being applied to those foods so that their staff can, can celebrate that with their customers, right? It's, it's so important to know. It, they're simple questions. Oh, these carrots are amazing. Where are they from? We should know that. We should know that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, that the consumer is more passionate, more intuitive, more interested, more educated, more hungry for where that food is coming from and how it was grown, who grew that, it.
1: Than ever before. Than ever before. Yep. Yep. I love the menus that, that, you, you know, 30, 40 years ago, menus were, were very classic, right? Steak Diane, you just kind of, you kind of knew what that was. But today, menus like Bobby Stuckey here with the Frasca Hospitality Group in Boulder, his menus are just, they're like a glossary. They're like an encyclopedia. It's, Here's here's what we're about to bring to you, in 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 our humble way of serving you. It's the list of everything that's on that plate in front of you, and then the server comes to you, and with unbelievable preparation and knowledge, uh, particularly around any diet restrictions that you might have shared, they they explain to you what you're about to to dine on. It's 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 the circle of life. It's absolutely beautiful. That's probably why. I I stayed in education as well because to be able to tell these stories and and get people excited about this is 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 what it's all about and, 100%. And,
2: you know, and as it relates to health and wellness, as it relates to just common sense, the greatest question that we hear and I know Chef Kirk you've heard this before, you know, the greatest question I can hear as a farmer is farmer what should we be putting on the menus today? And hmm. you're seeing more and more of that in that chefs are really tuning in to following the rhythms of mother nature. What, you know, it should be fiddlehead ferns, it should be ramps, it should be asparagus and rhubarb. There's such a natural progression to what should go on those menus today. And I think chefs are really getting it and that's exciting. And there's the connection with the end user because they get it and that chef is getting it. And now it's, a, it's just beautiful harmony.
1: And that's your favorite question of all time, right? That's the easiest question in the world, right? What should I put on the menu? What should I put on the menu? You know, it's so much easier today. Back in the day when we had our restaurant, you know, the computers weren't like what they are today, Mm -hmm. where you just run upstairs at the end of a shift and redo the the menu for the next day. You had to go to to a printer, right? Like you had to go get it typeset. And it was expensive. And my father would be upset that I you know, forgot a period or something. It's like, (laughs) gotta redo it. Uh, But today there's no excuse to not have the freshest and the most available ingredients in front of your guests every single day.
0: Yeah, I think too, like with um, the culinary world, like healthy really is just the definition of like a part of the body without disease, which doesn't mean a lot, but nourished like that word really is about so much more. And I think, you know, a chef working with vegetables, like seasonal farm fresh local vegetables, you know, that's a whole, that's like an artistic palette um, that can really let people experience, experience that like healthy, things that are healthy can taste amazing and can be so much more than like the rice cake or the simple things we may picture that have no flavor.
1: Yeah, and I may be tweaking history for my own purposes, but back in the day, you know, you wonder where the name restaurant even came from, right? And and, and it had something to do with restorative, right? Probably some pronunciation of that word. But back in the day, people would come together uh, to restore their bodies, to nourish their bodies. And then they started to do it as a community. And before you know it, restaurants were born as a place to come and restore your body it's 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 amazing
0: i love that you
1: get the assist there amy yeah that's thank
0: beautiful. you <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect so um when we start to connect like food is medicine and the impact that food has served sort of not just at home or in a restaurant but how about like institutions like schools hospitals and those sorts of places do you have much involvement with students going into like those settings
1: well, I you know, I I'm fortunate, we're fortunate, um, here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and it's not a plug for the chamber. We uh we've had the good fortune of having an amazing human being named Chef Annie Cooper. Um and, and farmer, I know you know her. She's been involved. Uh she's retired now. She lives about five hours away from here in Grand Junction, but she had so much to do with the school system menus and and it was really simple rather than buying a big box of carrots no offense that shows up on a truck you know let's just source some carrots from our from our local farmers and instead of buying anything that is prefab let let me show you how to cook carrots let me show you how to braise chicken it's it's not fancy but it's simple and it's good so my kids are very spoiled that they go to school in the boulder valley Be and 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 I think this message is spreading, you know throughout the country. And he's had a lot to do with it. education, education, education. we We have to, like I said earlier, we have to continue to educate our chefs, our cooks, our consumers. It all just kind of happens serendipitously, right? It, wh- whether it's through a formal program like Escoffier offers, or just conversations like this, I'm, you know, podcasts, uh, industry conferences. We're, we'll all be together in September there on the farm for the Roots Conference. That's the time to to socialize the message and, 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 and keep it up. Thought leaders. You're a thought leader, Farmer Lee. Amy, you're a, a thought leader. I like to consider myself a thought leader. Scoffy's is a thought leader. It's up to us. It's up to us to keep the message going. One hundred percent. It's up to your brother Bob, who spends time in Washington DC. And I, I as much as we love you, farmer, Joseph Henry can't stop talking about Bob. It's it's the craziest thing in the world because he got the tractor ride from Bob. Just right.
2: say it. <laughs> can't compete with that. Chef Ann Cooper has actually she's been on the farm here before. Yeah. She's here for a roots conference. She's great. Was she? I
1: she's she's just amazing and such a such a lovely person, and her her legacy, to use that word, is alive and well in For the sure. state of Colorado. Yeah, yeah, and beyond, and beyond. Yeah.
0: So, when it comes to vegetable-forward trends in education and in the culinary industry, what are you seeing right now?
1: Yeah, um, hmm. it's it's a loaded question, right? But but an easy but tough question, right? We Again, we have to educate people and we have to edu- educate people that simply taking a protein away from a dish doesn't necessarily mean that you've, like, you you know, come up with this incredible plant-based dish, right? So, for example, um, rather, you, you know, what drives me crazy. Can I just tell you? Yeah. yeah I'd like a Caesar salad. Would you like to add a protein to that Caesar salad? <laughs> Who's heard it? I've heard it. We've all heard it. Yeah. What do you want? You want shrimp? You want chicken? You want beef? No, I just want an incredible Caesar salad. I want mm-hmm. the best Caesar salad that I've ever had. Um, if, if I wanted a chicken Caesar salad, then I would have asked that, right? I'm being <laughs> snotty now. But I, it. What, we can take the same types of techniques and and marinades and, and, and pickling techniques and brining techniques and smoking techniques and grilling techniques, we can apply all of that to vegetables and create unbelievably amazing, complicated profiles for, for our customers. And I think so many chefs and cooks and restaurateurs are doing that today. It, they 100% are doing that today. Um, you, you, you know, in all seriousness, um, for that last meal again, one one of my <laughs> um, shepherd's pies probably historically one of one of my most uh, just favorite meals. One because it's so simple, it's peasant food, and it's so so well presented. It's it's a pie, but traditionally lamb, right with with potatoes on top. I mean, it doesn't get much better. My wife Gretchen and I love our plant-based version of shepherd's pie, which is, try to imagine this, you're you're, you're, you're gonna start crying. Slow roasted onions in the oven. And I'm talking slow roasted. You need to know that you're gonna make shepherd's pie first thing in the morning for the evening, because those onions are gonna be on 250 in the oven most of the day. And if it's in August and they're sweet enough, you don't need to add any sugar. Just, Just leave them in there. And then while that's happening, you're cooking your lentils down in a beautiful vegetable stock. And then you combine those caramelized, rich, brown, unbelievably tasty onions with those lentils. And in the meantime, you've, you've pureed some potatoes. And then those potatoes go over the top. And then the whole thing in your La Crusée goes back into the oven. And out to the table comes the, the most amazing shepherd's pie that you've ever tasted. And it's all plant-based. It's onions, it's lentils, and it's potatoes. It's- Where's the turnips? And, 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 and we'll throw some turnips in there. Uh,
2: you know what I was really thinking uh, was you, some celery root.
1: Celery root tricks celery. people, right? So yeah. that's the secret. One or two celery root bulbs in there, mm-hmm. you puree it all up and people are like, hmm, is there some celery root in there, <laughs> right? Brilliant, brilliant. We did not practice that or plan that, Amy. That
2: was So I wanna switch gears completely on you in this context of conversation. You know, one of the trends that I'm hearing is continued plant-based, but clean plant-based. My opinion on this impossible burger is that you would be better off to eat a good quality ground chuck hamburger than all the chemicals that are added into the Impossible Burger, you know. So this, it is certainly going to be. I don't think it's a fad. It's a trend. It's moving forward, but it's going to be clean. It's going to be clean, plant-based.
1: But we, but yeah, but we have to. It's it's a brilliant point. But we have to, we have to educate. Think think. Ten years ago, if you went to Whole Foods or Kroger's or wherever you went, how hard it was to find something that was plant-based at that time because it 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 was hidden behind this over there in the corner you really had to dig for it right and so now again the conversation is open people are talking i had a conversation with um with uh chad sarno chad sarno and his brother derek have an incredible company um and they call it plant-based right 80 20 type of approach to eating the name of the company is wicked healthy great great Great, great people. Chad lives in, uh, in Austin and Derek lives in London. And I asked, I asked Chad one time, like why, why are some of these products using a protein name like chickenless fingers? Yeah. And, and, and Chad said, it's all part of the process. 10 years ago, we couldn't find the stuff. Now it's front and center. No one's ever denying at the end of the day, no one denies that, that a great chicken dish doesn't taste good. A lot of people in the world love the taste of chicken. They love the taste of beef. They love the taste of lamb. No one's denying that. So a lot of this has to do with just changing people's habits, having them change their habits with something they're comfortable with. It's chicken list. Okay. That tells me it's probably going to taste like chicken, but there's no chicken in it. I'm in, right? It's uh, it's garbanzo beans and red onions, but they made it taste like chicken somehow. So So, Farmer, to answer your question, I think everything will take time. And I'm sure the folks at at Impossible Burger and the other companies like that, they're trying really hard to change consumers' habits. They're they're, they're trying to do – look, they they have the beet juice in the burger so that it gives off the impression that it's, you know, a a natural piece of beef, right? Blood, right? So – I, in my humble opinion, three years, four years, five years from now, they won't have to call it chickenless. They won't have to, you know, kind of play with the with the marketing side of it because yeah. people will look for what they want.
2: Jeremy Ermansky here uh, to speak to a group uh, last week of chefs from a, a company called or a restaurant called Larder. Amy, Dr. Amy, have you been there yet? Yeah,
0: yeah, I know Jeremy too. He's, yeah, great. he's great, and he was on this podcast. Yep.
2: And of course he did a, uh, a beet and they're doing, he's all about the fermentation. And I had a piece of beet that was fermented that was just, I mean, I wouldn't call it jerky. I don't know what would be the best description of it. I mean, it was amazing, but that whole fermentation process seems like that's that's red hot to explore. Yeah.
0: He wrote the book on koji, and I think he uses a lot of koji as well, which is cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right, there, right there in the area by you guys?
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. One of the things, I know you were talking about your last meal, but like what vegetable forward dish are you making at home that you're really excited about right now? A note from our sponsor. The Chef's Garden is a
1: family-owned regenerative farm that grows the most flavorful and nutritious vegetables, herbs, and microgreens for culinary professionals and home cooks. For over 30 years, The Chef's Garden has supplied some of the world's finest chefs and restaurants. Now, through Farmer Jones Farm, the same delicious ingredients are available to home cooks in the United States to use and enjoy, delivered directly to their homes. The Chef's Garden mission is to grow exceptional vegetables, care for each other and the land, and inspire a vegetable-forward future. For more information, visit chefs-garden.com. It, it, well, <laughs> I, I mentioned the shepherd's pie. We don't have that every week, though. Um, it, it, here's the thing, K- kale gets a bad rap, right? Because you have to work at it, right? You Now, now farmer's shown some unbelievable crunchy kale, puts it up in front of the camera. It's unbelievable, but what, what Gretchen does with, with kale and our family, I'm, I'm just going to say, um, not only does she massage it, but she thinks about the entire experience, right? So try to imagine kale with some, 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 some carrots and some almond slivers and some red onions. And then this really cool lemon vinaigrette that she creates with a little garlic in it. So. A few bacon bits. Oh, sorry. And, and no bacon bits. No bacon bits. So, so Amy, what I'm basically saying there is, is you take a dish and 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 you, you don't complicate it. You just enhance it, right? You you put some crunch into it. What is it that you want to experience out of every bite? I think, at least in my family, we've been able to get away from this idea of. Oh, let's try to make it taste like chicken. Oh, let's try to make it taste like that. Let's just enjoy what it is, you know. Oh my gosh, she put she put these sesame clusters on it this time. So like, wow, that was different than almonds. And and it's really simple food. And on in our kitchen, on our table, at any on any given day, there 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 there's a bowl of something. Right now. It could be mango. It could be blackberries. It could be strawberries. It, it, there's always nuts. There's always something. Um, I, I grew up in a very strict sort of dining experience household, right? <laughs> the pork roast that landed in front of you with the dumplings, that's what you were eating and you weren't leaving the table until, till, and you weren't putting your elbows on the table either, by the way, and you weren't leaving the table until dinner was done. That was dinner, right? And I already told you about my lunch experiences in grade school. Dinner today is for us, and it's, it drives my parents crazy, but it's a grazing exercise. The kids know what they want to do. It, yesterday, my Grayson, she's 10, she wanted to make uh, grandma's um, cucumber salad. So there she is with an English cucumber. She peels it herself. She's, she slices it herself she She adds the, the the right amount of champagne vinegar and the right amount of oil and, and whatever she wants right It's important that our kids have literacy around what they like and what they want to eat what they want to experience. We don't get upset if joseph Henry really wants to focus on this kale salad he loves his kale salad and 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 and, and Grayson wants a little something different. We don't get wound up about that right because we We've got it all there, and with vegetables, it's a lot easier. It's it's, you know, she's always got. Um, we we got one of these air fryers. We never had one before, but if you ever get an air fryer, they are amazing at at searing up tofu. So if you get the little the tofu that's just a little harder anyway to start off with, cut it in cubes and you drop it into that air fryer. It's unbelievable, and then you throw that tofu. On top of a kale salad or whatever it is, uh, quinoa salad. Um, that that's. I don't know if I answered answered your question. I'm talking more about the Bachman whole household, but that's what people want. They want an incredible experience.
0: And I love the simplicity in your household too. I think a lot of times, like you said, it gets overcomplicated. And vegetables taste so good when even just simply prepared. And. Can be intimidating sometimes if you try to overdo it. So I think, you know, the simplicity of a salad with just really great ingredients is well,
1: our food is wonderful. simple. I don't know that the household is for <laughs> the record.
0: Yeah, no. But but I, don't but I mean have that. to
1: say too, I, I'm looking over here. So I have an incredible chef instructor. His name is Stephen Knowles. He's been here with us in Boulder for 12 years. He's also a farmer. Farmer Lee met him. He's got a beautiful ranch, 80 acres. North and Fort Collins area, Wellington, Colorado. Um, and, uh, you, you, you know, it's called three, three, three Sisters Farms. He's got three daughters. And, um, you know, he'll bring me farm fresh eggs now and again. But we know, we've seen pictures of the, of the chickens. We know their names. We, we've been on the farm with his daughters and we know, like, what's happening. And we're, as a family, we're okay with that now and again, we're okay with that.
0: Yeah, I love that connection. Yeah, yeah. So our podcast is called Farming for Health. When I say Farming (laughs) for Health, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, um, gosh, what a great name, by the way, too, Farming (laughs) for Health. And and it really speaks to everything that that we've been talking to farmer uh, about for the last couple of years, and and you now, Amy, too. again at the point of being a little bit redundant it's 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 the way when I hear farming for health, I think it's the way we grow food and the impact that that has on the planet and on the people right i when when my when my twelve year old boy asks me questions constantly about what farmer would do what would farmer think of that you know Armer Lee has made an impact. I don't just say that because he's sitting here. Um, he's made an impact on my son, and my son thinks about things differently. You know, Daddy, why is that? Why is that truck unloading in front of your school? Why can't you just go? There's there's tough questions that I have to answer sometimes. But he's thinking about it. He's thinking about what cover crop does. Bob quizzed him on the farm about about cover crops. Right. Every farmer has a choice. Every consumer has a choice we all have a choice we can choose foods that are grown the right way but in in order to know that they're grown the right way we have to educate ourselves period that's that's what farming for health means to me and you can trademark that
0: (laughs) yeah
2: all i can think of is like preach it brother preach it preach it (laughs) preach it (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, I don't mean to embarrass you, but you really do just exude like joy and positive energy and just so much caring and kindness and passion for what you do. What do you do personally for your own self-care to keep keep that level of energy?
1: Not enough. Not yeah. enough, Amy. I'll tell you that. I, I, I find happiness, and, and this is not a cliche. I find happiness um, through through my family through through my children, my grandchildren, my um, my wife and, and and my family. And I find happiness here. The other day, speaking of you know, we have plant-based programs, but it's the the school is not entirely plant-based. But I was walking around the coming through the pastry kitchen, and all of a sudden I got a whiff of so so someone is braising cow tongue. I, I can smell it a hundred yards away. And sure enough, I get to the kitchen. The students had worked really hard on this tongue and they were making tacos out of them. They braised the heck out of it. And the aroma, the, the onions, the peppers that they were making their own tortilla it, it was amazing. It it was amazing. That makes me happy. i I didn't have any, but it makes me happy that they were learning something, that they were experiencing, you know, a new technique for them. Um, you know, from an exercise perspective, we, we all have to do more. I, 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 I row a little bit. I walk a lot. I walk here a lot. I need I need to do more. That's that's my vice. And there's no one to blame but myself for that. I, I love all sports. I do. I just I need to be more active. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn happy.
0: <laughs> you that's exude it. Really all that yeah. matters.
1: I'm happy I'm happy. That's that's important. That's important. Yeah. Good.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know our listeners are gonna to want to find out more about you and more about Escafier. Where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, if if, if you go to escafier.edu, you you can find our our website. If you w- wanna look around at different programs we have, you'll find it right there. There's also a super cool blog that you know it includes a ton of literacy um a, a, around our our industry there's a podcast there as well yes um, which you've both been on called the ultimate dish and there's some pretty cool literacy there as well but yeah scuffy.edu that's that's us and uh i'm i'm so humbled and appreciative of the time today thank you so much
0: thank you
2: thanks for coming on with us
1: anytime anytime <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Farming for Health. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Connect with Farmer Lee Jones and I on Instagram and Facebook.